What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here on ESPN Esports on Twitch. This is Search and Destroy, our Call of Duty League weekly show. Arda, Emily, and Katie with you. And I did say we are on Twitch, but guess what? Big announcement to start the show. We are also finally in podcast form. That's right. We're Yay, I'm podcast. so excited. Yeah, let's go. So you're listening to us now on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. This is awesome. Fantastic news. So now audio form. You can listen to us in the car, on the way to work, on the way to school, wherever you listen to your podcasts. I listen to podcasts when I do the dishes. That sounds very boring. Maybe I shouldn't have admitted that. It would be less boring when you're listening to us doing the dishes. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. Because we have a lot to talk about here. We have game updates to talk about. We also have Call of Duty League uh, to talk about. As you know, we took last week off. And that mm-hmm. was in concert with the Call of Duty League postponing their event uh, to this weekend. So now we do have Call of Duty League action to speak on. And we will get to that in a little bit, previewing the Minnesota Rocker weekend and uh, all that entails, both in-game and out-of-game. But first, let's talk about Season 4 of Modern Warfare. That was postponed. Uh, we know the reasons why, certainly, uh, many brands across video games following suit and postponing a lot of their announcements due to the climate and everything that is going on and Mm -hmm. insensitivity and in support of what is going on uh, with Black Lives Matter and the protests across America. But Modern Warfare Season 4 has been announced for Wednesday, June 10th. That is today, if you're listening to us today, at 11 p.m. Pacific. So technically, June 11th Eastern, uh, Eastern time. So... What are we looking? We haven't heard too much officially, Katie, on season four. Mm-hmm. But what are you looking forward to from this update? Goodbye, Odin. Goodbye, FR. Goodbye, crappy guns and all of the free loadouts <laughs> and all of the drops. I'm so excited to see the new rotation that comes through for the new the new base weapons you'll be able to find across the map. However, I'm also intrigued to know if they're going to be adding additional areas and or potentially ruining or blocking off some areas. It's really going to be interesting to see what they iterate upon in this season. But honestly, I'm just excited for a new season because it can start to get a little bit stale after a while. Um, But also, more than anything, I hope to see some server stability issues from them. I hope to see them addressing that and and working on that because if there's anything that kills the good time I have in Warzone faster than, you know, the the hackers and the cheaters, it's going to be the the unstable servers. So I hope we see a little bit of that and improvement there in Season 4. How many games would you say get wrecked per stream due to the servers, Warzone games? Um, Okay, let's say I play 10. Um... Probably four to five. Wow. And, and many. that include, that includes ones where I straight up get DC'd and network aired out of the lobby. Uh, and that also includes ones where the lag gets me killed or the lag makes it impossible to play. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. That's, that's it's something fun. that should be fixed. So wow. Fun. Wait, wait. You're, you're telling me there's <laughs> server issues outside of Call of Duty League? So weird. So weird. Funny how that happens. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Emily, um, as as it pertains to updates in-game and multiplayer, there's rumors about guns. There's rumors about uh, a new agent uh, or an operator, I should say. Maybe some Warzone updates. Maybe some nukes, whatever. This isn't Valorant. Valorant. Come on, man. I do too much esports, okay? (laughs) You you know this very well. I'm, I'm just teasing you. Glad we didn't call them champions. Uh, but 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 in all seriousness, uh, what are you looking forward to uh, for this update, and 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 how some things might be affected in Call of Duty League as well with with some of the updates, maybe nerfs and, and buffs. 
Uh, I mean, I think my big thing to echo Katie's statement is honestly just the server issues. I know that's, like, really boring, but uh, that's my main problem with the game right now. Uh, Also, because I'm really bad, so I don't even... (laughs) I don't even get to the point where, like, a lot of the gun stuff affects me because I'm, like, that bad. Uh, but Oh, you know, I'll carry you. Come play with me. You know it's what really can fun. affect really me fun. is server issues. <laughs> so, yeah, just be, be careful. Uh, Katie says that. But the second she realizes you're awful at a game, I know, like with that. me, really she bad. just ghosts you for the rest of humanity. Really <laughs> wow. <laughs> I sent some unresolved tension here. I'm not, it's I'm not, not often that people render me speechless. And I... <laughs> I'm offended, and I disagree with that fake news, sir. That's right. I am not bad at the game. Thank you. That that was fake news. You're right. I'll just queue up, up with our video editor and our general editor, Dave and yeah. Elizabeth, and we'll play, like, ship it and just all kill each other instead of doing Warzone. Uh, the greatest, the greatest <laughs> game mode of all time. Hey, what do we make of the fact? I mean, obviously, we're in a pandemic. It's crazy. You know, just this the 2020 has been surreal on all fronts, uh, which may or may not have led to the fact that Call of Duty 2020 uh, was not revealed in May. And that's usually mm-hmm. a month that we mm-hmm. hear something right about the next release. Uh, there's a lot of rumors out there. So what I want to ask to both of you, uh, Emily, feel free to start with this one, is what rumors about the upcoming game uh, are you excited about or concerned about? Um, I mean, I think the big rumor that's kind of been going on for, like, for forever, I feel like we talked about this, like, at the beginning, like, when we first started this show about how Treyarch is going to be handling the next title. Thank God. <laughs> potentially the next two titles after that. Again, this is not, like, confirmed news. This is completely a rumor. So I don't know if that's true, but people were talking about the potential of, like, a three-year rotation just because Treyarch is by far the easiest developer to deal with when it comes to competitive. And people in the league have very obviously been very angry about uh, IW and their lack of communication and their lack of interest in competitive I think that, for me, is is the biggest thing that I'm looking at, is Treyarch coming in, uh, redoing it. I know, like, I think you wrote about this, Arda, right? How they might be considering doing, like, a reboot of the uh, Blackout Battle Royale, mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of interesting, if only because... For a lot of reasons that we've talked about already, Warzone was just infinitely more popular than Blackout. I think part of it is that people don't like to play competitive as much in Modern Warfare. Uh, I think part of it is that with everything coinciding with the pandemic and a lot of people who, a lot of like especially traditional sports athletes that would be just playing it on their own, maybe between their own seasons, now are stuck at home and they are all like, oh, okay. This Warzone game came out, we'll play it, um, which I think also attributes to Warzone's booming popularity. Um, and Blackout never had that popularity, right? So, like you, I am curious to see if they reboot Blackout, what happens, uh, if it's, like, what happens to Warzone then, uh, will people swap over? Uh, it's looking like it's another Black Ops game, which is what, like, that is, is that confirmed or is that still also a rumor? I think it's all still rumors or quasi-confirmed okay. rumors. Um, but no, I, I agree with Emily. Like the, the most important thing to me is to go back to a developer that clearly cares and listens to the competitive side of the community. 
as opposed to a developer that we see right now who has a very clear disdain for that portion of the community and has not made an effort to hide it. Um, and, and that, more than anything about the game or any of the features or any of the shiny baubles, I want to go back to someone I know cares mm-hmm. and is willing to put in the time and the effort to at least, at least the base minimum, just listen. So I'm excited to see what Treyarch is going to do. I find it interesting that the possibility, I, I find it surprising, but I don't. The fact that we would get a new br title attached to this as a rumor right now this is a rumor that blackout would be returning as part of the cdl 2020 offering this is one of those like cdl intel find something in the data mining etc kind of rumors which sometimes to be fair turn out to be true so if this is the case so i'm operating with this hypothesis under the assumption that we will get a blackout br Mm -hmm. in the cdl 2020 release if that happens i find that pretty interesting not because a BR title is included, but because now we're drawing attention in the Call of Duty franchise away from Warzone. And Warzone is very popular. But this is a yearly release. It is in a model that is not like Fortnite and Apex Legends. This is not a game that's being incremented upon. This is a new title in a different game that you're expected to either buy or download. Like, this is not going to be added to Warzone and changed to Blackout. You're, this is a totally new offering. So, yeah, I mean, I think Warzone sticks around until the newest iteration comes along. So and that's then what I'm wondering. That. That's what yeah. I'm wondering. I'm wondering, it, but does Blackout have big shoes to fill because Black, uh, Warzone is so popular? And what will content creators do? Like, how are you going to approach this, Katie? How, how are you going to... What if What if Blackout is a bad game? What happens? <laughs> well, I mean, we're in a bad game right now, so I guess I'll just live <laughs> another year of this. <laughs> But Warzone um, is good, though. That's, Warzone, that's it. That's it. Warzone, that's such Warzone a Call is such a response. Can I just say, like, we we gotta live through this for a year. Gotta we gotta it. get through it yeah. until we don't. So have it's funny. It's a game anymore. about war, but you're going through a war <laughs> until you don't get yourself. It's pretty funny. So Warzone itself, right? Like, I love the base premise. Uh, I I do think that there's a lot that they have changed that has actually made it worse in terms of the price changes they've made, the guns that they've decided, the random arbitrary changes that they make. Um, I don't necessarily love all of those. But what I think is going to happen from the next one is that you are going to see them take the the brightest shining stars from what has succeeded in Warzone and implement them within Blackout, which is a BR title. You'll hear from a lot of folks who played it that they love. Like, especially Jetpack's BR uh, Blackout was so much fun. Uh, and one of the nice things about Blackout 2 was that Blackout was actually a BR where it was much easier to be able to solo that game than solos in Warzone. Because Warzone inherently, much like the rest of the game, is very, very campy. And it encourages campy behavior. And that's one of my biggest issues with Warzone. Whereas Blackout didn't have that problem so much. So um, I'm actually really excited to see what the next iteration is going to be. You know who doesn't have an issue with camping, Katie? The Paris Legion. Yeah. <laughs> Look at her expression. <laughs> That's what I was hoping. There, there it is. That's what I was waiting for. I, I do not deign to grace that with a response. <laughs> um, do you still think we're going to get an October-November time frame, given everything that's happening? Do you do you still think we're going to get the same time frame for a COD release? Um, I would think probably. I imagine they're going to want to stick to it um, as closely as they can, but... I mean, anything can happen, right? There's extraordinary um, circumstances in the world right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw maybe a delay. 
Um, but I would imagine they really want to try and stick to that as much as possible. Yeah, I was going to say, like, one thing that I think we kind of sort of touch upon the periphery of is that Call of Duty is still, like, a AAA title with its own, like, really specific release schedule that's typically designed around, like, people picking it up ASAP and then another way of picking it up for, like, the holiday season. Um, and I doubt they'd want to stray too far away from that if possible. Do you think we'll get, I, I know that we're going through the online season right now as we shift focus here to Call of Duty League. Do you think it will be all systems go for season two? Do you think that they will, let's say that we're in the same position that we're in where we're still practicing social distancing and we still can't gather as crowds in January around the same time when season one launched, right? Do you think that Call of Duty League, I know that we're thinking very far ahead here, but do you think Call of Duty League will say, we're going to start the season online and see where it goes? Or do you think that they'll wait until we can have a land season and not go through the whole online process again? Emily, what do you I think, think they'll probably, oh, sorry, Emily, go for it, sorry. I think I think they'd still go for it online, especially like if Treyarch's taking the next title, you know that they're going to be communicating with pros, with teams. Uh, they're going to be listening to them in terms of like what the game is actually going to be. Um, and like to reiterate, I think that's actually going to be super important, especially if you do have an online environment. Obviously, the league still controls the servers and that kind of thing, but. I'd be shocked if this isn't, like, going forward for all esports, to be quite honest. I'd be shocked if this isn't always a contingency plan that people start building into their schedules and systems. Was that a car that just zoomed by? I think so. Outside of, wait, did you just hear that on mine? Oh, okay. I don't know. It's all good. I, I hear people arguing in the back in some way. It's not mine for sure. Oh, it may be me because uh, my friend is upstairs streaming and he you, he's playing Warzone as we speak. So ah, you nice. may hear shouts of rage on occasion or shouts of triumph. Happens, uh, happens but all of us. I feel well, like we tell, do this a lot. You but tell I, him, I, you <laughs> tell him that ESPN and silence takes precedence. So stream quieter, yeah. A shush, please. Thank you. But no, uh, I would I would agree with... Uh, what Emily said uh, in in terms of all of that, I imagine that there will be contingency plans in place. But at the end of the day, um, even if you're looking at it purely from a PR business standpoint, it, that is far too high of a risk uh, of someone potentially getting sick or an outbreak occurring or something uh, to do things on land. All right, let's like if, re- if it's still locked down in that way. Yes, yeah, yeah that's that's the conti- we do, we don't know what the world's going to be like in six months as it pertains to coronavirus and where we're going to be in gatherings, etc. But it is interesting to think about how Call of Duty League has handled this season and what might happen next season. So uh, that's in- it's it's going to be interesting to follow, and it will certainly be interesting to follow this weekend as we now have the Minnesota Rocker Home Series. Uh, of course, there's going to be a big uh, uh, fundraising component to this. Uh, I put up an article at ESPN.com slash esports outlining everything that the Rocker and all of their efforts are going to do. They're going to have um, a special jerseys that they're going to wear honoring George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. They're going to have a lot of fundraising efforts that you'll hear throughout the weekend that will go to several organizations. They've named a few as well uh, that will go towards the cause. Uh, those that are helping and dealing with 
all of the uh, community issues uh, that are arising in the ongoing protests across America. Uh, so you can find that article at ESPN.com slash esports. As we talk about the competition itself, now we get to see the top three teams compete, right? Now we finally, mm-hmm. how long has it, it's been a very long time since we have seen them all compete against each other. And the standings dictate that the Huntsman, despite maybe having a little bit of a rocky middle of the season, for, if you're looking at from start to now, uh, they they look great, they sound great, and they're at, they're, they're at top of the boards. But when we go into this weekend, Katie, when you look mm-hmm. at those top three teams, which of those three teams do you give the edge to and why? Um, so it's going to be tricky, right? You have, what is it, Dallas and Atlanta are in Group A, and Chicago is alone in Group B, I believe, or there's two of them. Yes. So um, right there, obviously, Chicago is going to have an easier time because it doesn't have one of the other behemoths in its group. Um, but of the three of those, I give the edge to either Dallas or Atlanta, and I lean Dallas because Dallas, to get their second chip, beat Atlanta. Um, Chicago, I just, like, yes, they looked good, and they came back, and it was a solid event, and Pristini looked good, and they looked like they were firing on all cylinders, but I, I have to see consistency within that. I want to make sure that it wasn't a honeymoon period with Chicago, but at the end of the day, Arda, all three of these teams have won two tournaments. They're all incredibly stacked. Any of them could take this, but I would still lean toward Dallas and, and Atlanta, probably of the three. So my follow-up question to that is, despite all that Chicago showed, showed, in particular, Prestini coming in and how good they looked last tournament, why are we still saying this? Why are we still saying that Atlanta and Dallas are the stronger team, at least the way that we feel about it, given that all that Chicago has shown and changed mm-hmm. recently? Emily, like, why, why are we still saying that? Because I think they actually looked better, like, in-game. Honestly, um, that uh, like I don't I don't mean to sound harsh. I think when we did our like post uh, post Seattle home series show, uh, I talked about how I really liked what I saw from Chicago, and I think they have the potential to be by far and away the best team. But I don't even think this is close to like what they can achieve. Um, and they could come out this weekend, like completely blow everyone out of the water. That's definitely a possibility. But based on all three of these teams, most recent performances, I think Dallas looked the best by actually like a, a pretty significant margin, I would say, um, in terms of like actual in-game performance, I think Dallas has looked the best of these three teams. So that, that's actually why, uh, they're still my pick to take this. And why I still think they're the best team, despite the actual uh, point standings. Because if you remember, Dallas is behind in point standings, primarily from the first week of league play, um, where they had like a really disastrous uh, first showing after the like immediate patch change. And I think that's so far behind, like in the rearview mirror, that it shouldn't even enter people's estimation of what this Dallas team is now. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's like, for me, it's just based on my own eye test and you guys can feel free to like call me out and disagree. But I think based on the, the last performances I've seen from all three of these teams, Dallas has looked the best in game. And Arda, really quick, I do want to ask you, um, are we, are we going to touch on the, the spawn changes at all? Or should I just mention that right now? 
please mention it right Go now. For it. Okay, so uh haha. So <laughs> the spawns were changed in a recent hidden Finally. update. No, 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 no. Because because we no, like, can't get an actual. Oh, they're update. worse. They just threw them in there. Yeah. Oh, yes. I thought you meant so they changed was... for the better. No, oh, no. Have, you, have no. you not seen Twitter? Oh my yeah, so, word! Yeah. So what essentially happened is that there was a kind of like a, a ninja patch. There was no patch notes. They, no one was notified about it. But the pros started noticing that the spawns somehow became even worse than they were before. And the amazing thing about this, right, is that COD frequently goes through, like, big changes like this halfway through the season or whatever. But this one is particularly egregious because there's no patch notes for them to reference. And now, right before this event, every single team is trying to get some grasp or some understanding on these new spawns and how they work, which is already kind of a guessing game to begin with with squad spawns, so that, I think, could potentially, Arda, play a huge role in some of the outcomes of these maps and potentially these series with what those spawns do to the game. Okay, I will fully admit that I was not fully caught up on that, and now, upon hearing that, I am enraged. That is awful. First (laughs) of all, no communication. Second of all, the spawns are worse after the fact that we had been complaining about spawns and hearing pros complain about spawns all season and showing clear examples through their maps and social media on how they're bad, and now they're worse, and now they have to understand exactly where they are and how worse they are going into a tournament weekend? Oh, my gosh. Hey, who is it among us that says Infinity War doesn't care about esports? Somebody really smart says that all the time. Uh, been, that would be Emily. I feel like yes. it's both of us, but I'm definitely no, the one that's been that. slamming them since week one. Wow. Well, I mean, it's just, it's so, I mean, yeah, they've literally really said bad. as much, though. They've essentially, yeah, like. awful. That is awful. Yeah. So, I mean, they just, just have they, fun. They just don't care is the problem. Like, it'd be, it'd be one thing if, like, or, I mean, this would also be really terrible, but, like, it'd be one thing if they actually had some semblance of communication or, like, direction or anything like that but to slide stuff in like this like like as katie says an active disdain not just like a not caring okay let me ask this the spawn update is it beneficial for casual players i don't think casual players would even understand what was going on and i don't mean that in like a really i don't mean that in a mean way i just mean like i i think that that so i i think that that impacts them negatively they just might not necessarily realize it in the way that pros do because spawns are so much more crucial and hyper aware to a pro in a professional setting than they are a casual playing a pub match um but i mean they're universally worse for everyone okay that well what i was wondering was did i get i guess the thought process here is infinity ward believes that this will be a better experience for casual players and that's why they did it what what other explanation is there for these spawns to be worse. We don't have one. They just want to mess with the pros. They just want to mess with the pros. They're just like what I do. So so there's someone okay, so the explanation is there's somebody whose job it is at Infinity Ward to look at all the complaints that pros are making and then report them back to the developers just to make the game even worse. That's what I'm getting out of this. That's one person's I job. I like this like, conspiracy, yes. I know. Yes, this is a conspiracy This is the conspiracy theory now. Yes, this is, this is <laughs> I what... Like okay, I believe this. Okay. <laughs> That's Good un- job, that, Katie, this is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll see how... And it will. We'll see just how severely it impacts teams. So which team... Okay, so 
every team is impacted by this because mm-hmm. this is in the game. Which team do you think will adapt to it the best? Um, Is this an opportunity for uh, Atl- a top I, I, team to... I would for, say or, Atlanta, maybe. I, Atlanta, I lean toward Atlanta just because of their speed. Um, okay. And I just, like, they're so run and gun anyway that I, I imagine still it's going to be, like, some of the top teams, like... I feel okay, so I feel like Atlanta because of how fast they are and their play style will be uh, be able to adapt to it well. Because again, you saw how good they did at the start of the year mm-hmm. with this spawn system, anyway. And then I also lean towards someone like Dallas because of how cohesive their teamwork is. That they will probably be able to adjust better. Chicago is someone that I'm I'm wondering about just because again we we haven't seen more out of this team and so i want to see what that synergy is like when they deal with a hiccup like this but at the same time you can also spec uh, speculate on teams like how is optic going to do how are gorillas going to do um optic isn't playing at this event but gorillas will be good god like what will happen to my poor team seattle i don't know <laughs> but but across the board arda at the end of the day across the board this is detrimental to every single team Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Speaking of Seattle, there are a couple of notes there that we got to touch up on. Uh, Karma retiring, oh. Enable not starting for the rest of the it season. Hurts. Let's save Karma. That's going to be a longer conversation. I have lots of questions there. But Katie, what the hell is going on with your team? Why? Why is this? Why is this team? In, like, I'm not even asking this as a haha. I'm an ultra fan. You suck. I'm not. I promise you, I'm not. I really want to wow. know. What is happening here? Why Why is the best consensus, best COD player of all time retiring midseason? Why is one of the best we players just, on the team this like not getting a starting position and getting subbed out after one or two maps? Like, what is happening here? Uh, poor Katie. You know I love you, but I have to ask. Of course. I mean, well, I'm right there with you. Because when you look at this, right, I think... Obviously, this wasn't a team that necessarily was meant to be together in the first place. You you can reference Karma's tweet from a little while back where he says it feels like we were all just, like, thrown together. Like, mm-hmm. none of us were meant to be with each other. On top of that, I think there are very clearly some upper management issues going on. And um, there, there's a lot of stuff that, behind the scenes that I can't really speak to, unfortunately. But I can say that, like, it's kind of a trifecta of bullshit that this team is going through right now. <laughs> And, of course, you also have the players themselves, and you have, I I mean, how they've handled everything with Enable has been very poor, in my opinion. You had had Octane, who um, admitted that how they handled his initial benching wasn't great, but he owned up to that, and they moved on, and, and the entire team seemed to be fine. But then he also said, after Enable's second benching, that um, he had been the only one who had wanted to play with him. And so then there's all these other issues there. And, I mean, it just it seems like a team that on, like, the cellular, molecular level of this team has just fallen apart. Um, like, every foundation, every pillar has crumbled. And I'm just waiting to see, like, how do you rebuild this? Because clearly, for whatever reason, you're not making trades. You're not, you're not trying to... to work with other teams to bring in different folks or perhaps swap people out. That's a question in and of itself. Like, why haven't you been doing that? So it just, it seems like there's very profound issues going on and, and it just makes me very sad. I, I mean, they're my team, right? They're my team and I love them. I love the Seattle surge. I love all of those guys. I want nothing but the best for them, but 
I mean, they need to step their shit up realistically and, 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 you know, you need to fix your shit in a very non, uh, dainty way of saying it. It seems like I'm just going to piggyback on what I saw from this management group in Overwatch League, um, because I actually think it's relevant. They picked up, uh, so it's the same kind of management connection to the Vancouver Titans, and they yes. picked up uh, the roster of Runaway, which is already a team that got along really well together. They played together for a while. They had a very set, like, chemistry. And from what it seemed like, they just kind of, like, you know, like, let them do whatever, right? So it's like, we have this team, they're good, go forth and win. And, like, they did because they already had that built-in team chemistry. They are already used to playing to with each other. They came in during a meta where the players that they had, the team was going to be really good. It seems like to me, and again, this is, like, uh, just based on what I saw from their season one, like, their first season Overwatch League team, um, it seems to me that they kind of just gathered all of these players and expected that to magically happen because they're accomplished in their own Because they're all winners. Yeah, right? exactly. So, like, but, like, that doesn't work always. And, they, like, unlike a lot of other rosters where people considered, like, oh, this duo wants to play together or these players really want to play together, they're, they're like, they'll only be signed to a team if, you know as a package deal because they they already have chemistry and they want to look at who else is going to end up on this team like talking to a lot of teams that were building their rosters for their first CDL season like in this weird we had a really weird off season this past off season right because we were jumping from teams like just loose teams to franchising and it it really seems like they just gathered all these players and were like you're all good you've all won stuff Go and win. And like, that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't work. <laughs> um, if you don't take the time to consider like, how are these people going to get along? Have they teamed together? Have they played together ever? What's their actual, like, look at what their actual play style has been through oh. multiple iterations of COD. Cause it's not like these players are unknowns, yes. right? Like that's the whole point of picking them up. Um, so I, I do see a similar trend. Uh, where it's like a very hands-off style and they expect the players to kind of just go forward and win. And when they didn't, uh, and when the players were kind of left to their own devices as to figure out what's wrong with the team, why aren't we performing well, why aren't we communicating well, what's going on? Like, it really seems like everyone was on different pages. And it's unfortunate. Like, it sucks. I'm not blaming anyone. It just, the whole situation sucks. And why... Do teams not want to scrim Seattle? I, I saw Nubsy tweet death yeah. taxes and scrimming LAG, right? But like, <laughs> in all seriousness, is it because like I know that every year there's this like I've been talking with players and they've been telling me that there's this stigma that they don't want to scrim the bottom tier teams because they're not as good and whatever. But there's got to be more to that than this. I mean, like I, I've heard I've heard of like you know them missing times and things like that and 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 whatever there may be, but like. There's got to be more to the story than this. The, the fact that they're like basically blacklisted from scrims. Hi, bye. <laughs> something. Um, That's why I've heard yes, that from multiple yes, people. Yes, So you're you're correct. You're correct. So um, essentially, there's more to the issue going on than than just the fact that they are a bottom team. Um, because a that is valid because you're not you're not going to learn anything new necessarily against a bottom tier team. You can experiment and try and play your worst maps and expand your map pool against some of the worst teams. 
Um, but it's more than that, right? Um, there were, there were issues with, um, folks being late consistently to scrims, which other teams do not enjoy. Um, and there were also issues with the team, uh, leaving scrims however many maps in because they were just getting smoked and they raged and they quit. Mm. And so why, if you're, if you are another team in this league, why would you waste your time when you're not going to learn anything new? They're probably going to be late and they might just dip out mid scrim. So now you're just wasting your time. Um, so, so there's been a few issues that have been going on. Fair enough. I, I, some of that make, like, I mean, if you're late for things consistently, people are just going to lose faith in you. That's a human thing. So th- that I can understand. If you're consistently late, all it, not that that, and listen, some people might be like, well, that's an esports thing. Everyone's late. Yeah, fine. It's a gamer thing. I get it. But yeah. still, it's a pro league. How many, how, how much do these franchises cost? Like, maybe being on time might be one thing we can shore up. Anyway, lots to, lots to unpack there, I'm sure. But, uh, I guess, what, what about, uh, last thing before we go on this, uh, just the fact that Enable won't be starting for the rest of the season. What happens uh, now? Like, what, what do we, what, what happens there? Do we, wh- why would he even care? Why, yeah. why, why doesn't he retire until the next season? It seems like something you can do. Like, I'm not sold that Karma's gonna be retired forever. Like, all of a sudden, whatever the new title is comes out and he likes it and he's good enough to be on a, on a pro team, which I'm sure he will be. Who's to say he's not gonna join a pro team at that point? Like, why, do, why doesn't Enable just retire and do the same thing? Well, I think one of the big issues there, if we want to kind of start delving into the to the karma discussion, is that um, karma was kind of just getting tired of playing Call of Duty yeah. in and of itself. Like, this game's atrocious, and this might have been, like, the final nail in the coffin, but he was losing his motivation to actually, like, play COD. I mean, he even said it in his tweets, right? Yeah. He would get, like, um, he would play the game for a month, and then he just didn't want to play anymore. And that's, that's someone that you see who's just, just doesn't have that passion and that drive and that motivation anymore to get up and grind the hell out of a game that he's been grinding forever. And so I think that that is fundamentally different than what Enable is dealing, dealing with. Yeah. Enable still has passion. He still wants to try. He still wants to play. He still wants to succeed. I think Karma just was tired of playing. Yeah. I mean, I like, I was going to say to piggyback on what Katie said, like Karma said in his own tweets that he just didn't have the motivation to play Call of Duty anymore and that the game was only fun for him for the first few weeks before he got really bored. Um, the enable thing really stinks and it's frustrating because like, despite the fact that I know we kind of poked fun at the Florida Mutineers for, like, not getting anything for Pristini. Like, at least they let him go, right? Like, they like they didn't have a spot for him on the team. He obviously can start for another team. He didn't want to be on Florida anymore. And they let him go the Huntsman. And, yeah, you can make fun of them and be like, you're actively making a partner in the league better. But, like, props to them for not trapping him on the team, right, and forcing him to stay and not letting him go. That's the thing that really stinks about Enable, is that, like, until the team decides that they want to let him go, especially even if, like, they can't get a trade or whatever, because I I don't even know, like, how, especially after the preceding thing, I don't even know how teams are dealing with, like, trades and what they're getting monetarily or whatever for specific players. Um, But that's the thing that sucks about Enable. Like, he could be starting on another team. 
another team. Yeah. You know? Like it's oh, it's ridiculous that he has to be like trapped on the bench like this, and he still wants to play. Like, well, that's and that's a, what I—that's what I mean, Emily, when I say that there's like clearly when when it comes to Seattle, there's very clearly um, much deeper issues uh, mm-hmm. going on with that team than just what we see at the surface. You know, it's not a lot of people throw shit at Nubsy, the coach, and it's not—it's not all warranted. Like, yes, you can critique him, you can criticize him, um, but people who are like, it's his fault for this and his fault for that, and all of Seattle's troubles are his fault, as if. As if Nubsy is somehow the god character on Seattle with just carte blanche power to do whatever yeah. he wants. Yeah, like he, he's not, not chaining. He's not chaining Enable to the team. Like that's not his fault. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, so so I think people need to take a bit of a break there on on Nubsy. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, I think Karma was just done. He's just he was he was ready. I think he'd been ready for a while, and then with how horrible this game is and how the season had been going, he was just finally like, you know what? I've been wanted to be I've wanted to be done for a while, and now I'm done. It's it's I I wonder how much that was exacerbated by what was happening in Seattle and also the state of the game, though. I, I, oh, wonder, so I, I, so I think it definitely was. So so it, it basically gave him like. The final push. The, the final push. So do you like think if it that had been if it had been a better game and he'd had a better team environment, I think he would have stuck it out for the rest yeah. of the year for definitely. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Do you think? But that, the fact so, that it was just all of it at once was just yeah. Like, yeah. What the hell am I doing? And like, like yeah, like if you're if you're already like it's one thing if you're grinding a game, like even I'll, I'll say even if you didn't even necessarily like the game, but Seattle ended up being a really good team environment. That also can make a huge difference, right? But if you're grinding yes. a game that you hate and your team environment's terrible and you're presumably not getting a lot of direction from the top in terms of, like, what's even going on with the team itself and you've been tired for the past few years and, like, COD is something that you kind of keep playing as long as you have the passion for it, Karma is the, like greatest of all time you know like he is like mr he's, Rings. he's like it's not even a like a question currently so and and he's already reached like that that height so i do think once you get there if you don't have the motivation to keep playing this was kind of just like the final straw to be like okay you know what i've done a lot in my career i've reached Oh, like the highest you can possibly get right. with several teams, several insanely good teams. I'm done. Yeah. And we saw the stats on the screen there. I mean, absolutely gross what he's been able to do in Call of Duty. Yeah, he's insane. I will, I will end it on this. I will say that I do see a possibility of him taking a few months off, recharging his batteries, and then all of a sudden, let's just say the next game, which happens to be not developed by Infinity Ward and a, and a developer that happens to love esports, and suddenly there's a buzz around the game, and Karma obviously is going to try the game, and let's say he loves the game, and then he sees a potential in the game and a possibility in the game, and all of a sudden he has a rejuvenated sense of passion and desire to compete. I could see a world where he comes back. I mean, anything could happen, Arthur. You're right. You know, anything I was going to say, I've disagreed yeah. with you several times on the show about the things you've said regarding, like, I think Pristini is going to go back to the Huntsman. And I've been wrong. 
So well, that was a, that I'm was not, a shot in the I'm dark. I'm not going to call you wrong here. That it's, was a it's uh, a possibility, I guess. I, I threw I threw a three pointer from the half <laughs> point from half court and I landed with a swish. So that was a little bit unfair. But speaking of Prestini, let's talk about the Huntsman versus the Mutineers. The Mutineers have some changes as well, Katie. The Huntsman recently changes with Prestini now facing yes. his own team, and I've documented very well uh, what. Prestini has gone through in the last couple months that interview is available on our YouTube page where he really talks about everything personally and professionally that he has gone through up until this point, including with Florida and moving to Chicago. So now they face each other. This is like the next chapter in this story. Florida will look a little different and we've seen them face each other before, but now there's different players on different sides. So Mm -hmm. when you look at this matchup in particular, Florida versus Chicago, who do you think has the edge and why? <laughs> Chicago. Thoughts and prayers to Florida. Like, I, they've got a new player in who's an AM. Um, you know, Mox has Any been, faith? been, huh? Any faith? Any faith? Um, in I, I mean, I have, I, I haven't, I can't comment really. I haven't, honestly, I haven't seen their scrims. I, I've heard a little bit about him, but not a ton. Um, of course, Mox being benched. So, it, <laughs> Realistically, with how Chicago is doing, the fire that they came out of just winning an event, Pristini's back with his brother and clearly happier for it, then I, I imagine that it's, it's very much so going to be in Chicago's favor to, to roll over Florida in that matchup. Is there any motivation there, though? Like the fact that maybe there's, there's some bad blood between Pristini and Florida, maybe, maybe Florida will be more mud? For Preston, you think, not for the other yeah. players? Well, cause, cause why, why would Florida, why would they necessarily care? Like, Preston was the one, uh, at least in the short term, who got the, the short end of the stick, right? Okay. Like, he goes to a grand final and they lose with his team, and then he gets benched, and then his replacement comes in, and then his team wins. Yeah. Right? Like, so if I'm him, I want to flex all over them. <laughs> Whereas Florida, they're just like, I, I don't necessarily think that that drive is going to be there for them in the way it may be. This is also where Chicago can just make a really big statement generally, like not even against Florida, but like they're in like the other bracket has Dallas and Atlanta in it. And depending on how you feel about Minnesota, Minnesota in there, right? No offense, Seattle. Um, So, but like Chicago is on, by far, like, the, the quote-unquote easier side of the bracket, right? And this is a chance for them to make a massive statement that they're definitely the best team coming out of Group B and potentially the best team at this event. Speaking of teams that we've talked a lot about but suddenly have taken at least a small dip in their standings, uh, the Minnesota Rocker. They're the hosts of this mm-hmm. series, but, man, I mean, we... This is this is a, a big... They I feel like they are past the inflection point right now in terms of how we speak of this team. If you look at it like a parab- parabola, why am I using big words like this? But if you look at the parabola, we're past the inflection point of the parabola, people. Right. Look it up, all right? But like It's on the <laughs> downward slide now. Back to junior high math, we are, I love it. We are scaling down the mountain here, okay, <laughs> of the Minnesota Rocker and our opinions of them. How important is, or let me ask it like this, where do they need to place 
in this tournament for us to start giving them props and hope for tournament victories again? Oh, well, semifinals, right? They have to, yeah. they have to get back to the semifinals. And this is something, uh, it was actually, it just went live a couple of hours ago on the Call of Duty League website. I'm not sure if they're going to tweet it out, but I did a interview with, um, the head coach, Brian Saint, God Rx, and Silly talking about what was going on with them, Arda. And their big takeaway, something interesting from Brian, from their coach, Brian Saint, to note, was that he pointed out, he's like, look, yes, we had two lackluster events. But within those events, we lost to good teams. And if you look at the time frame of those events, it's roughly two and a half weeks of playing poorly in the grand scheme of things. It's not like it's months of consistent issues. It's weeks of issues. So I thought that was something I hadn't considered. So that was one note that he made. But on top of that as well, Cillian Goderex acknowledged that um, all the teams are affected either positively or negatively by a transition from land to online. Rocker was affected negatively. There's a lot of players on that team who feed off of the land energy feed off of the crowd and that environment. So it was difficult for them to not only not physically be with their team, because God Rx was home, Silly was home, Asim was home, and to, to not be there and to not be on LAN affected them very much so negatively. And, and Silly at one point described it as a losing full scrim period, where they were just not communicating well. It was just nothing was flowing. They were not making progress so after they lost uh, that second time in a row, uh, a lot of them sat down and had a, had a big heart-to-heart talk about what was going on and, and why they weren't improving and why they were regressing. And as they explained it to me, it seemed to have gone very well, and they seemed to be much improved in their communication in how effective their scrimmages are being and what they're able to get done. Goderex and Silly are both back in Minnesota now. Asin is the only member of the team who is not in Minnesota. So Brian told me that it's been very beneficial for them to have everyone in the same space together and spending time with each other and, and re-synergizing as a team that had very good chemistry from the get-go. Um, so he said they've seen improvements. We will see if that carries through to the event. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of kind of issues that all happened for them at once, particularly land online and uh, kind of that rough three week period. And he did acknowledge, Arda, Brian acknowledged that uh, they got a little bit lazy in their scrims leading up to those events, right? Um, they weren't taking their scrims quite as seriously as they used to. And that hurt them as well. So Fines are back in full force. You better be on time. They get there an hour early to do VOD reviews. Uh, so it seems like they've really kind of pulled their pulled their heads out of the sand and they're, and they're grinding very hard for their event. Can I just read one line that I absolutely love from your article? So I put the link in the chat, by the way, for oh, those that want to check it out. Uh, this is something from uh, who wrote, who who is this quote from? Uh, I don't see the uh, – Baraska, sorry. This is from Baraska. Oh, said, that's Brian Saint. Brian, yeah, Brian, yeah. yeah. So uh, Saint said, we've been a lot more strict as coaches. If someone is even 60 seconds late, they are fined. Yeah. And going yeah. back to yeah. exactly what we said to Seattle, like that – there you go. What a solution. <laughs> what a solution. So you're 60 <laughs> seconds late. You're fined. Let me just yeah, but, that. But here – right. No, it's great though, Arda. And so here's why it's great, right? Because – Rocker, Minnesota, is not made up of a million, like, stumps or karmas or superstars, yeah. right? Fair. So those fines, 
sting those players more because maybe they are AMs who were given their first shot, like a seam and maybe, you know, even got RX. So like, it's all new enough to them, but look at, look at a karma. Like, is he going to really care about the fine <laughs> you give him for being late? Like he's like, he, he doesn't have that hunger anymore, right? He doesn't have that passion anymore. He, he's also Mr. Three Rings. So like, what, was he going to care about your fine? Like there's, I think there's a mentality difference there of sure. why it is going to be very effective to, to Minnesota and why it might not be so effective in Seattle. But at that point, like, yes, crack down, throw out your fines, like show up on time, people. It's not, it's really not that hard to show up on time to, especially when you don't even have to leave your room. Yeah, they're professionals. Yeah. Come on. I mean, I mean, I, I, I really it, enjoyed yes. I really enjoyed reading this because I feel like people uh, just across esports in general, like talking again earlier this week, I've been running the League of Legends championship series like interview gauntlet before they start. And this is something that a ton of teams have struggled with. If they're not already in a gaming house, how do you deal with the fact that you can just look away during VOD review or you can be doing something else on your screen right. and like the coach might not be able to see it. Um, and even like, I believe it was one of the mutineers players actually that talked about this, but silly and daughter both talked about this when I taught the last time I spoke with them. Um, and they said like, it's really weird not being in an environment where you feel like you're like, getting up and you're going to an event, right? And that yes, really they said, silly commented on that. Yeah, they said yes. that like really helped them get in the mindset, right? Yeah. Like you're getting up, you're getting dressed, you're going with your team to the to the event, you're in your practice room, you're all together. Um that was something that like multiple people on this team and I talked to them, they said yeah. really helped them. Um especially since to Katie's point, one of the rockers' greatest strengths was coming out they had that chemistry. This team was mm-hmm. built with all of them buying into each other and wanting to play with each other. And I think it was that in that case, it was designed really, really well, uh, especially if you're making the comparison to a team like Seattle. Um, but having that means that having them in the same space, I think, is going to do wonders. So it's really nice to read this and see a lot of the measures that they've taken because they have recognized how much it's hurt the team. Yeah. Now, how well they'll do this weekend, it's going to be tough because they're on the tougher side of the bracket. Uh, right. One thing that we can say is that previously they have matched up pretty well against it. They have won one records with both of those yeah. teams. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, you can say, you know, it's definitely not impossible for the rocker, but we need to see the rocker not of their past two events, but of, previous times yeah i uh speaking of head-to-head matchups i crunched the numbers on the top three teams atlanta dallas and chicago how they've done against each other i found it very interesting atlanta is uh, these are against the atlanta dallas and chicago playing each other Mm -hmm. atlanta is undefeated on land but winless online the same yeah the same huh. with Chicago. Exact Ooh. same thing. Undefeated online, winless online. Whereas Dallas... Oh no, the Dallas online meme comes true again. Right? I don't have the, I don't have the router here, but uh, they are, they are the undefeated online and winless online. <laughs> right? So the Dallas is the only team against the other two powerhouse teams that are undefeated online, but winless online. And they have the longest record or the most games played. They're two and five. So those two victories came online, but they lost five games on land against Chicago and Atlanta combined. So it's going to be interesting. 
It's gonna be very yeah, I feel like a part of that too, though, is is just how the timeline played out for Dallas. Mm-hmm. Like, like they were ass at the beginning, and they <laughs> continued to get better and better and better and yeah. pick up momentum and pick up steam right about the exact same time that we went online. And that's just like kind of a poor timing in terms of not being able to see them match up against each other on land because obviously COVID hit, so they can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the last event they were at was when, you know, the Rocker faced them in the finals. Uh yeah. because they, you know, like that was their that was their winning uh winning land event. And I think we still would have seen Dallas like like as much as the numbers point to them being uh being like the online team, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I like, I honestly do appreciate how they've leaned into that. Um, you do have to remember that at that land event, um, Minnesota took out Atlanta in the semifinals, right? So, yeah, uh, that, that's also something that we didn't get to see Dallas face, uh, Atlanta again. Uh, and they had actually lost to Atlanta in the, in the group B, mm-hmm. like winners, uh, finals. So, um, that's really interesting though. Those are some, I think on the one hand, they do reflect some truths about these teams, but on the other hand, since we have so few land events now and they were so far away at this point, um, I don't know. I still, I, my pet, like spoilers, I guess my pick to still win this is Dallas. Well, why don't we get into that then? We, we were going to do ones to watch, but why don't we just talk predictions? So why Dallas? Uh, like I said before, I just think that based on, if I look at all three of these teams, uh, previous showings, um, barring any sort of like massive improvement, uh, from, from either Atlanta or Chicago, and I, I do think it's close between all three teams, um, I think Dallas have looked the best. I think they've looked, uh, really cohesive together. I love the way that this lineup is using the mix of rookies and veterans. I think, their their initial team building decisions have come to fruition in like the best way with this team. And I just really like how they're playing. So my pick is Dallas. I won't be shocked if Atlanta or or Chicago take it. But Yeah. You have a do you do you have a pick other than the top three, Katie? I mean I don't see you. Um wait, can you remind me who all is it? Group B, it's it's Chicago and who else? Chicago, Florida, Toronto, and Gorillas. Um, okay, so the only one that I might throw out there as like a, a like a dark horse would be Toronto. Are you picking a second team? I mean, you're welcome, Katie. No, my, welcome no, my, open no, arms. I don't think, my first. Welcome. So I think Dallas is going to take it. I agree with Emily. Again, wouldn't be surprised if we saw Atlanta or Chicago, but I I lean toward Dallas. Um, but I do find it interesting that you've seen scrims now that Classic has not been a part of and Kleenex has. So I don't know if that mm. means that uh, you will see a new lineup from Atlanta at this, or excuse me, from Toronto at this event. Um, but Toronto, look at, you can see Method Zinni right there, like looking very good. So um, we'll, we'll see if they can keep up against the best teams. But if I had to pick a dark horse, it would be Toronto. Um, but I, I lean toward Dallas. I think I think that's fair, especially with Florida and Gorillas there. I know that Florida made some changes, uh, but I do think that it's catered for, ter- especially because we don't have any 
necessarily any faith that the Gorillas made enough improvements or have shown enough to be a team that you would consider getting out of this group. Yeah, they haven't had that moment. Right. If, yeah, if they exactly. had had that moment, then I would I would say something different. But um, you have you have yet to see that. Obviously, yeah. there's been improvements in players like Blast coming in and, and performing better than prior players, but the unit as a whole has not. Sent- so we have a couple minutes left. Uh, I'm gonna give you my pick to transition into my ones to watch, and then we'll get your thoughts before we go here. But I'm picking Atlanta. I just think that they've. Shown all season long why they are the la creme de la creme in the league. And I feel like they have something to prove, at least online. Uh, like I said, they're winless online against the top two teams. And I think that they definitely think about that. They're a well-oiled machine. They they get along very well. They have the star power. And they have Simp, who is my one to watch. And I know that's a cop-out. I know that's a very easy pick. But look, the guy's breaking records. Like he now, I'm at records. the point. He sets, yeah, yeah, he, he sets, yeah, say he has set the records, and then he braces them. That's what I love about it. Like I get excited to watch the phase in part because I want to see if Simp can keep pushing these boundaries. Like it's not so much if he's going to have a good game; it's now how much of a good game is he going to have. Right. And so that's yeah, what that's I enjoy fair. watching. Right. Like breaking records on hard point and look at those numbers. I mean, they're absolutely incredible. So that's what I like watching. And that's why he's always a one to watch for me from an entertainment perspective. Uh, Emily, who is your one to watch? So I, for people who haven't caught on yet, my pattern is to try to pick someone who is part of the home like series to see if, you know, like if, if this team can take it all, this is the player that I want to show up really, really hard. This is the player that I want to watch. So for this weekend, it's Goderex of the Minnesota mm-hmm. Rocker. I think he, uh, especially during the LAN events, really established himself as one of the players to watch in the entire league, to be quite honest. And right. um, I think that he, uh, from his own social media posts, uh, and talking to him, he seems pretty disappointed in his performances recently. Um, I think he has a lot to prove. I think he wants, to, uh, like, I think this team going into this home series is very hungry to prove themselves, uh, to regain that kind of confidence that they had from a lot of people that they were just knocking on the door of those top three teams, right? And now we're not talking about them with those top three teams. We're still talking about Atlanta, Chicago, and Dallas off in their own space. And then the Rocker have kind of crashed back down to this now, like, nebulous path that also includes teams like, you know, the Subliners that could include teams like Ultra. Um, So I think for Minnesota to do well, uh, I really, like, I want to see them perform really well. I want to see the Goddard Rex that we saw from their land environments. I go read Katie's piece if you want to know more about the, oh, what the Rocker have done. So I think it's really interesting to uh, <laughs> to read. And yeah, I hope they show up because I think a I think so do I. The Rocker when they are performing, when they are firing well on all cylinders, like they are an incredibly dangerous team. They're a fun team to watch. They can keep up with anyone. And it'd be nice to see that team come out this weekend. I think I think whoever's streaming upstairs in your uh, yeah, they're well, getting like, mad. Agrees, <laughs> agrees. It's like, what? How could you pick God RX? It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> getting mad at you or something? 
I'm having some heated so, gamer okay. moments over here. I know. I know. Play so there's any spin the wheel of what could be happening in that. Yeah, um, but true. no, I think if I had to go with someone, uh, I would pick Awakening uh, coming in for Florida in replacement of Mox, uh, an amateur who's getting his opportunity to come onto a starting lineup, something we've seen a lot of this year. And based purely on that, it, it's it's a pick of curiosity for me. I simply want to see how he does, how he performs, how he how he plays against some of the best people in the world. Uh, and so that's why he is. All right. So those are our ones to watch. And we will be watching this weekend. It's the Minnesota Rocker Home Weekend, ha- uh, Home Series happening this weekend, another tournament in Call of Duty League. Uh, Katie, will you be doing watch parties? Yes, sir. I will, as always, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I will be doing watch parties and casting and commentating and analyzing, hanging out with chat all weekend long. I cannot wait. It should be a ton, ton, ton of fun. So I do hope you join me if you want to hang out. And otherwise, it should be a great weekend of Call of Duty. I'm excited to get back to it. Yes, and we will break it all down on our weekly show, Search and Destroy, here, our ESPN Call of Duty League program every single Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, enjoy the weekend. We'll see you next week.